Hello, welcome to the next exclusive episode of the Talk Norwich City podcast. It's nothing short of an honour to have this guy join us for a chat on the pod today. A Norwich boy, born and bred, League One playoff final Wembley winner with Rotherham. Cut this guy in half and you'll find he bleeds yellow and green. Some of you call him Paul Warren, but we all know him as Warniola. First of all, Paul, thank you so much for coming on the TNC podcast. How's everything going for you right now? Not too bad, thank you. Not too bad. I've had shabbier weeks, so uh, obviously beat Ipswich this week, which is hey. a joy. So, uh, I mean, I slipped that in really early, haven't I? So, uh, no, it's been a good week, thank you. Uh, I mean, you say not too bad. At, at this point of recording, you're, you're top of the league and, and having a laugh. How are you enjoying this season so far? Um, it's been a difficult one, ironically. Last year, being in the champ, we were sort of uh, performing well, but uh, not dissimilar to Norwich, really. Performing well, but just not doing enough to... Um, collect enough points so it was sort of pressure free really whereas this year is different there's been a massive expectation from our fans this year um, so we started the season a bit slow we had about 12 new players in the usual massive turnarounds really because a few of ours got headhunted unfortunately so it was a bit of a slow start and um, but we're on a good run at the moment I think we've won seven out of eight or something so we're on a good little run and it you know makes um, home life as well as work life a lot easier Absolutely love that. And of course, we are delighted that you're keeping Ipswich off that top spot. So keep keep up the good work. Paul, if you don't mind, I'm going to take you back to the beginning. Um, yeah. Just after your first taste of playing football at Great Yarmouth Town, you went to Wroxham, yeah. where, of course, you, you won the FA Vars 1994. May I mention that's a that year was after this. I yeah. was born? Yeah, indeed. Um, did, did you think at that time that you were going to make it, so to speak, as a pro? No, not really. I, I played for like um, half a Tornadoes when I was about 15. And I played with Chris Sutton, funnily enough. Wow. Um, and then I went for a trial at Norwich when I was about 16 for two days. Absolute heartbreak. They didn't phone me back after the weekend, which has <laughs> always had some sort of mental scarring with me. So I've never done anything so disgusting with any of my players, any young players or anything. Right? So that killed me. They never even phoned back. Um, and then I went into senior football, uh, Bill Punt and... Norwich Ledge yes. um, kindly took me there and introduced me to alcohol, which is bad, bad coaching. It was a port, <laughs> it was a port and lemonade. I don't know if that is actually alcohol, port, but because uh, I refused alcohol, and he said, "I'll get you a drink you like, Warney," or he called me Wanzi. Uh, get you a drink you like and port and lemon. And in fairness, it's still a bit of a Christmas tipple of mine now. Take it back to punny. And then he took me to this, and then I kept playing non-league, um, and I loved it. I just loved playing football, and even that 46, it kills me that I don't play. It breaks my heart a little bit. If I could still play, I would. Um, but then I decided to go, you know, um, take a different route. I went down education. I'd done my A-levels, done my business and sports degree. Uh, and then when I came out, uh, I had one season at Wroxham, which was, you know, hugely enjoyable. I loved it. I was running a coaching company for... Um, well, David Batch, and it was like Paul Ashworth, you know, Danny Ashworth's brother in Norfolk. So I was having, a, I had a great life. And then um, uh, John Dean, who used to play at Wroxham, was the Wigan manager. Yeah, I was going to say, how did you make the step up to Wigan from there? Because that seems like yeah, a crazy move to me. Yeah, it was very crazy. I mean, looking back now, I don't know how I did it. It was... Um, you were 23, right? Yeah, I had a really good, I had a really enjoyable season. Just everything I... Everything what could go right did go right. I don't even think I lost one game that season in the Wroxham shirt because the first six weeks I was suspended because I'd lost my head at the end of the last season for this. So oh. <laughs> uh, I didn't lose. And that's not really like me. I'm not coming across like a 
a douche here. But <laughs> so then uh, played for Wrexham, had a really good season, had a, a usual. I always go away with my mates every year for holiday. Had two weeks. At, I think it was Magaluf. I was going to say, where'd you go? Oh, you went to Magaluf. Yeah, well, I'm here, Riley. Yeah, I went to Magaluf. Well, we all know where you went up to there. Hair, had hair and everything. Then so I went to Magaluf, came back, and there was. Um, Bruce Cunningham, the Roxham manager, kindly uh, organised a game against Wigan. Looking back at it now, I can imagine how happy the Wigan players were coming down on the team coach on the day from Wigan to Roxham is like disgusting. No wonder they didn't like me. And then the first half I played for Roxham against Wigan and scored. Yeah. I was still sweating Budweiser a little bit, if I'm truly honest. And then <laughs> at half time, they asked me to um, go in their dressing room. Um, and play for them second half. I didn't want to. I just didn't want to do it. And I didn't. I said, no, I'm not doing it. Wow. And Crowey, an ex-pro of Norwich, he was in my dressing room. And I always thank him for this. And he went, look, why don't you just do it? It's an opportunity you can't afford like, not, not to take. I went, look, I don't need to play for them. If they like me, they like me. He went, look, mate, just do what they want. So I went and played for them second half. And I remember to this day that I went up for a header, which weren't really my strength. And Crowey, uh, <laughs> he was playing centre-half for Roxham. As I'm going to jump, he's saying to me, you've got it, you've got it. Which was hilarious, really. So they were so <laughs> desperate for me to get a deal. Wow. Like, no one was tackling me. I turned into like, that's <laughs> second half. I was unbelievable. So I scored a goal for uh, Wigan in the second half. And then, obviously, Wigan were goosed because it was pre-season. And they'd come down on a bus for like 23 hours. Yeah. Uh, and then I just remember... You know, they pulled me in the uh, outside the bar after and offered me like a two-year deal. I just, it was like, it was surreal, definitely surreal. And I just couldn't wait, obviously, to tell my mum and dad. And then the rest is sort of history. Good for you. And then, of course, after Wigan, it, it was Rotherham, wasn't it? If I'm, if I'm right in yeah. saying. And, and of yeah. course, you had, you had two spells there. And what, what I want to know, Paul, is what is it about the, what is it about the Millers that, that's helped you? You know, what, what's it about that place that's made it your new home? Um, well, when I joined the first time, I, I was at Wigan. I was in my second year. I'd gone on loan to Kettering, uh, come back, and I loved playing for Kettering. I think I played for Peter Morris, who used to be the Kings Lynn manager, who tried to sign me there. And I, I went back. And then the first game back, we played, and this is like sliding doors sort of story, really. We played against Rotherham in the Cup, and it was really foggy, and I knew I was playing, and I was still a little bit, well, I was nervous, if I'm truly honest. I was thinking, oh, please be called off, please be called off. I thought you were going to say drunk got... then, Paul. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'd, I'd sobered up by now. I'd lost, I'd lost about, <laughs> I mean, if I look at my photos before I was a pro, I was a stone and a half heavier, dear, oh dear. Anyway, oh, wow. so I was in good shape then, um, and uh, we played, sorry, we played against Rotherham that night. I scored against like one of my best mates, Polly, the goalkeeper. Um, and then from there on, I, I went to Rothers on loan, signed permanent. We had back-to-back promotions, four years in the champ. But I think why it was a bit of my spiritual home really was because I wasn't a very talented footballer, um, especially looking at the, the players knocking about today. I wasn't very talented, but I was always dogged. I was always hard work and I always, you know, not that I knew at the time because it weren't GPS, but, you know, I would never stop running. I was a fitness freak and all that. So, and Yorkshire is a sort of a real hotbed for football that like hard work is above everything. Yeah. So when I went from here, I went obviously Lancashire to Oldham, similar sort of thing. I got player of the seasons and that there. I left out at 34, went to Yeovil, Somerset on the South Coast. And I thought, you know, I'd give my family a life on the South Coast. And I honestly thought I'd probably end up living there at one stage. It was a beautiful place I lived. Yeah. But it was weird. I don't know if the fans really got me because they, they were more like, you know, a footballing family, like, you know, 
play it on the floor and get as many passes in as you can. And I'm not criticising for that. It's just a different culture. Do you know what I mean? So, and there's me running around like a lunatic trying to win throwing. So, <laughs> probably it probably weren't a great fit. I mean, I had a great time. I, I loved it, and I, I did. I was fortunate enough to get player of the season there, but it just didn't feel. It just weren't probably the right fit for me. And then I was lucky enough. I went back to Rothers at 36, and I've done another another 10 years there again now. And and it's a, it's a, it's a good fit, really. It, it looks like a good fit, that's for sure. And and what I want to know, Paul, is did you always want to become a coach? Did you always think that you'd reach this level that you're at now? No, I, ne- I never wanted to become a coach. And I even have people ask me now, and I'm still not sure. Um, I I was fortunate that like, I fell into the fitness coach role, which is right up my cup of tea. Really. I, it, it was. I, I'm, I'm obsessed, and I still am, really. So that was perfect for me. I did a teaching degree. I, I started my master's in sports nutrition. So I was on... Everything was hunky-dory, really. And then we went through so many managers in quick succession that literally I was the only man standing. <laughs> so when... <laughs> and that is, it's an awful thing to say, but it's the truth. When Kenny Jackett left, he came in for six games and then we didn't win any of them. Um, and he just sort of, like, quit, really. that That's the, the politest way to put it. So the club just said, could I take the mantle wow. um, until they find someone, which I didn't want to do. Uh, even my ego part of my brain didn't want to do it. Uh, but it was more like, and I, I, I know why, because I had a good relationship with the fans. I hadn't done anything wrong. I hadn't signed any of these players. Right. Uh, and by me being at the front uh, and losing every week, which we did comfortably, um, the fans wouldn't turn on me, if that makes sense. Okay, so, yeah, it does, yeah. So if, if someone else would have got the job for five months, the fans would have gotten out again because that, that team, just it just wasn't right. It was a bit toxic at the club. Everything had sort of gone wrong. So... Mm. So then I was the fitness coach, the manager, the the first team assistant manager. I just sort of had every role. I just had a goalie coach, really. So it was brutal. So I never had any aspirations to be a manager. I didn't do any of my coaching badges. So then I had to, in that summer, I went to Northern Ireland and started doing my badges as quickly as I could, really. So it wasn't wow. it wasn't something I'd ever aspired to do. The only thing I did do, really, like subconsciously, is as I played, you do take certain things off certain managers. Of course, think, oh, yeah. He's done that. Why, why would he treat us like that? Or that was good what he did. So I probably learned along the way on how I'd like to be managed myself. You know, if I was a player, how I would like to be managed. And that's how I like to manage my group. So for someone that's literally fallen into it, if you don't mind yeah. me saying, you yeah. went and blooming won the League One player final against Shrewsbury. That must have just been one of the highlights of your career without a doubt. Stuff the dreams are made of, really. Yeah, it was. It was surreal. It's probably the best way to put it. I mean, that isn't all down to me, quite obviously. I wish it was. I mean, I got my, my best mate, Richie Barker, my assistant manager. I got him in straight away. He helped no end. He'd been a manager before at Portsmouth, right. at Berry, um, been assistant at Charlton at MK Don. So he was a lot more experienced than me. Um, and he knew the pressures that I was under. So he took a lot off my back. I got Hammy up from the youth team. He was another coach. The, the Sorry, the chairman kindly let me have two coaches. So that helped. And I just recruited. Um, I was obsessed with recruiting really good people. So mm. that's what I did. Uh, I changed the whole physios. I mean, luckily through retirement, really. I didn't go through the club sacking people. It was more like everyone had sort of come to a natural end. And then I just re- just recruited. I knew that the fans here want people to run and cross the ball and get shots in. It's quite um, you know a simple game, really. So that's what the fans wanted to see. That's what the owner wanted to see. So I recruited athletes and... Um, people I thought could get around the pitch and we didn't start amazingly well and that was hard for me the first game we lost away at Fleetwood and I thought wow all that work we've done all summer 
and all that trying to hype it up, how good it was going to be and how we try and change the culture at the club. And we lost the first game. I'm thinking, oh, this ain't very easy. And then, But luckily, um, we turned it around. And like you said, we, we went to... Mm. Went to Wembley and um, won, and it was it was a surreal day. But then, obviously, you then get the thing of oh my days. We're now in the championship. So, uh, <laughs> the dream didn't last long. What we doing it exactly? I love it. And Paul, let, let's 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 pull you back to Norfolk for a minute. You, I know you're yeah. a Norfolk boy, born and bred. Yeah. What's your favourite thing about Nelson's County? Anything could be oh. anything. The coastline, the chips, the market, the castle, the football yes. club. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, my my heart is at the football club, so I do love the football. I mean, I went to when I had a weekend off uh, start the season. I took my son to watch the Norwich Chelsea game, and because I don't get to go to football games with my son, obviously, um, and because I I walk in at I get to work at twelve o'clock, you don't get that feeling you do as a fan. So I went uh, I went to Costa Coffee, you know, not far from uh, Cow Road, obviously. At that yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then about half past two, me and my son walk in, and it's like walking to a church, isn't it? Like everybody's walking from all different roads, angles. Everyone's got their shirt on. I'm thinking, I miss all of this. So I do love that. I do love the club. There's no dispute now. I, I do get giddy. Um, <laughs> and I even joked the other day about my mate saying, look, one day I'll be the kit man at Norwich. <laughs> my mate, my goal, my, my, one of my best friends, my goalie coach, has left me and gone to Bolton. He's a Bolton kid. Always wanted to play for Bolton, never yeah, did. Yeah. But he's now the goalie coach at Bolton. I went, oh my God, mate, what about when you get the training kit? I mean, we're, we're grown men, for God's sake. What about when you get the training kit? You went, how excited. I went, my days, mate. If I was a kit man at Norwich and I had the trucky on, I would be all over it. And uh, so as soon as he got his training kit, he was sending me photos of him, like all proud as punch wow, in his training love kit. That. I was howling. Love that. But one of the nicest things for me is obviously all, most of my family and friends are there, my best mates. So I had like seven come to the Peterborough game the other week and we were horrendous. So that was hugely embarrassing. They're not coming again. <laughs> so I am tied to the county with like, you know, love really. But my favourite place in the world is Wells next to the sea. Oh, absolutely love that That is that some place. place. And I've just, we've got, we're playing Lincoln Friday night. So I try to book a caravan for next weekend, take my kids down there, but it's not open. I really but didn't expect to see caravan, but I love that. that place. Oh, I mean, out of, out of 10 is 25, isn't it? It's just yeah. off the scale. Yeah. Boozers are good. It's just, oh. there ain't no kiss me quick hats there. It's a little bit nicer than other coastal towns. I think it's, it's a nice place. Glamorous indeed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll try so hard not to laugh out loud at many points in this. Um, Paul, your favourite Norwich player of all time and why? Go. Oh, that's a tough one. I mean, I'm tempted with Dale Gordon because I used to Ooh. love his... How old are you, by the way? You won't know any of these players. I actually. am 26. So you won't know any of these. How, you're, you're how polite, old are you? You're polite, 46. Cool, so you're, you're polite, getting on about it. You politely agree with me, but... Um, see, Disco I, Dale. I know Disco Dale. Oh, good. Well, Disco Dale was a ledge. He was always like... He, I mean, I could never... I didn't do one step over in my career and he done like... Yeah. Like ten a game, so I loved Disco Dale. I loved, ironically, I loved Peter Mendham, and I ended up playing with him non-league. But my favourite player was uh, probably Keith Burchin, centre forward. I don't know, just something. I was just at a good age. I had my pollen with the kit on and everything. It was just a good age oh, for me. I love so, that the classic kit. Like, I remember, yeah, I remember birthday. I had my parents bought me the new Norwich City kit with the socks, which is a joy. And then I went and watched Escape to Victory at the cinema. I don't birthdays <laughs> have never been as good as that ever since. Honestly, an absolute classic birthday. It's, I mean, everyone says, "Well, when you get fifty, you'll have a great birthday." And I'm thinking nothing's going to beat me eight year old birthday. It's unbelievable. No, so that's what it's all about. Um, yeah. Man. So I would say Keith Burchin. 
or Disco Dale. Absolutely love it. Um, Paul, let, let, we're going all over the place here, but I love it. It's going quite well so far. Let's take you back to to pretty much the the present day. What yep. what was it like playing against your team at Carrow Road? What was it like turning up, going to the away dressing room? I mean, just that day for you just must have been absolutely incredible. As a player or as a manager? Both. Uh, as a player, um, yeah. As a, as a player, it was fearful but exciting. I don't know how to put it. A little bit like your wedding day, possibly. You, you're sort of thinking, this could go one way or the other. But you're sort of like excited, <laughs> but you sort of like, you want it. You don't want it over, but you want it to get going. It's sort of a bit like that. Okay, so okay right. It was so a bit you... surreal when I came back, stayed. Like when, when when I asked at the front of the bus, where are we staying? They said like Sprouston Manor or Dunstan Hall. I'm like, oh my god, I know where they are. Tell the bus driver you need to turn right here. You need to go in the airport. You know what I mean, so I got giddy about that. Yeah, and then yeah, I had people yeah. come to my hotel to see me. Yeah. Uh, so it made it feel a bit um, FA Cup finalish, really. Okay. And I never really. And when I played against Norwich, I don't recall ever playing well, which is no surprise. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's like, and you have a dry mouth, you, you just need a drink all the time. It's like, I don't know if some people are listening and, and they don't like doing speeches and they do a speech in front of people and they're like, like the driest mouth. So, yeah. so that was, and you don't, you just don't, you're just over aroused, if that makes sense. As in, you, you just, it, you just don't play your natural game. That's probably the best way to put it. Or I didn't because I was beyond giddy, um, to play really. And it it was surreal. Um, I had played there before because I played in the county cup final for uh, Roxham against yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. luckily, I had played there and scored a hat trick. So that was that was my you know, Carol Rowe best performance. And as a manager, Paul, what about that? As a manager, uh, really, really proud. If I'm honest, because obviously we got promoted to the champ. I remember getting off the bus, and it's weird because, like, initially I didn't want anyone to call me Gaffer, just call me Warney. I'm not into all that like, pomposity. But in the end, like everyone said to me, you got to, you got to respect things, but. So I remember like just getting off the bus first and you, you have cameras in your face. I think this is surreal, me walking a team in here. But um, it was just like the last time, obviously, it was just obviously my father didn't go and he really wanted to go and we tried to do everything we could to help him go and get oxygen there and all that. So I remember standing on the pitch really melancholy, really, before the game, mm. during the game mm. and after the game. And in fairness, there was loads of... And, and, and as you well know, as an away manager, I mean, fans hardly like their own managers at, at the best of times, do they? But the away fans <laughs> definitely don't like you. But they were ever so nice to me and like chatting to me. And it just felt like a little bit like, not like home from home. I don't mean it like that. But I was just disappointed we, we, didn't, we didn't win because we took the lead. And mm. it was just, it's just surreal, mate. That's probably the best way. Because I look at myself as like, I'm 46, but... At times, I think like a twelve-year-old. I just so, can't believe I'm here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah, yeah. He's like that, and you, you don't take it for granted. I mean, everyone does. You know, managers do press all the time and say things and media train and all that. I'm not media trained. I just say it as I, as I see it. Good but man, we like that. You just stand there, and, you, and 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 like in fairness, at the end, um, I walked over and clapped our fans and walked off the pitch, and I was really teary, really emotional. Of course, yeah. Thinking, because, like, like I said, my father didn't go. I was going to say, was it because he your really dad? Wanted yeah. To go and, yeah, and it, it affected me really. And I was thinking about like my, when I grew up, my granddad was a big Norwich fan. Like he, he passed away years ago, but he'd have been beyond himself. Um, so it just, it, yeah, it, it was, um, it was really, it was, it was, it was lovely. It sounds that's probably not the right word for no, football it was, manager. I think, lovely, but it was, it was <laughs> yeah. lovely, but it was emotional. Yeah, but it's like life is really short, mate, and football careers are ridiculously mm, short. But mm. games go in a heartbeat. They're just 
you know, the passing memories, and you try to keep hold of them for dear mm. life. But that's like when people ask me questions like, what's your favourite game? What's the favourite game you played in? And I haven't got one. I just cannot recall them because they just go so quick. Yeah. Like if someone says to me, oh, I remember that game you scored, didn't you? And I'm like, oh, I don't remember it. Like the journalists up here go crazy at me because they always go, oh, last time we played these, Warner, you scored from that. And I'm like, don't ask Did that I? question. <laughs> I have no memory at all. And I want to remember things, but I don't. But I do remember... You know, I do remember when we played Norwich at our place uh, and you went down to 10 men and Jerry Yates, who just lost his grandfather that day, and scored the winner. So I, I, there are magical moments. And it's, it is surreal because it's like you don't really want to beat Norwich if they go in promotion, but then you sort of do for your own job. and You try to derail us. Yeah, it's a weird one. It's, a, it's, a, it's so, like a bit of a juxtaposition, really. Paul, uh, there will be one game that I'm sure that you will remember, which is when you beat Ipswich last season. And I remember seeing in the press that you'd actually put your dad's name up on the board to inspire the players. Yeah, of I course, did, yeah. you went on to, to win 2-0 at Portman Road. I mean, what did that mean to you and your family? Because for me, I'm I'm tearing up even thinking about it. Just because that is just such an epic moment, and to do that, and for that to to have that much of an impact, and to get the result, especially against those those blue boys, it must have felt amazing yeah. for you. Yeah, well, yeah, it was. It sounds a bit it sounds a bit dramatic, doesn't it? And if you're not if you're not like a real fan of something, you probably don't understand. But it it was a big deal, and I do get the lads to play on an emotional cusp all the time. So. Um, and I and I do have a relationship with the lads that, that they know that I'll do absolutely anything for them, which I do. Uh, but in the same way, I expect it back. I expect it reciprocated. And it wasn't very often that I literally put it on their toes and said, "Look, nothing but a win is good enough." Wow. Uh, and um, and they knew how. I mean, I spoke about my dad all the time. Like at the start of the season, I did meetings with the lads, and everyone had to speak about something emotional. Um, Brilliant. So I had I had lads talking about. Uh, one of them, like best friend, died swimming in a river in Ireland. One of them lost their uncle last year. One oh, of them uh, lost a brother. Mm. So there was loads of sad stories. But I want the lads to have. I want them to be emotionally intelligent. I want them to have a connection with everyone in the dressing room. It matters, and they needed to know that it mattered to me that I beat Ipswich. They needed to know that. So when I spoke to them, I broke down in front of them. Uh, we had a game last year at Stoke. Yeah. Uh, before the game, I got them all to write the name of one loved one that who would be their first phone call if they won at Stoke? Who would wow. it be for? You know, why? We were losing 2-0 at half-time and I came in and went absolutely crazy. I'd never go crazy, but I was going, right, like, you've written these names up here. It means nothing. It's just, you're just saying it, you know. And then we ended up 2-2 and we had like 15 attempts on goals. So we were unbelievable. So Fantastic. I like emotion in sport. I think Good for you. you have to have it. So I don't, I don't regard it as a paycheck. I regard it as they're all buying into a dream. Mm. So... Uh, my dream was obviously to beat Ipswich and like this year um, we've managed not to concede I think Ipswich only lost six games and two of them against us we didn't concede a goal against them we absolutely smoked them both times so um, it's love been a good that. season that respect. love to hear that Paul if it's okay with you um, I yep. do want to take things a little bit deeper now um, yeah, and, and to be selfish my story is 2007 my mum passed of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma cancer and I'd say one of the outcomes of that uh, immense yeah. loss is it's almost become the fire in my belly to go on and, and win at life and and not take things yeah. for granted and to be more grateful and to have more perspective has the loss of your father impacted you like that as well of course a good question firstly sorry to hear about your mother like life's full of um horrendous news isn't it there's always something around the corner it definitely it definitely has a, it definitely has affected me i've always been a quite um 
I think I've always been quite an emotional guy anyway. Uh, uh, but I am more so now than ever. I I moan at the lads every week uh, about uh, being good human beings, doing something different. So before Christmas, I got them all to... Uh, I don't know if they did it because I, I don't check up on them, but I asked them all to go and speak to a homeless person. Love that, uh, yeah. Because I did. Uh, we we uh, when we played, um, I picked my wife up from Donny Station, and there was a homeless person outside. And I sat. And that sounds horrendous. So I don't want it to come across, but I'm just being truthful. Sat in a BMW with my heated seat on, which is a joy having a heated seat. I can't <laughs> let it go, but. <laughs> And I've never had such a nice car. It's only a trapping of the job. It won't last forever, I know. So I might enjoy it. So I'm sitting there in my heated seat and I see this homeless yeah. person. I'm thinking, oh, I've got to go and give him some money or get him something. And, and there's a part of my brain thinking, well, it's a bit of a walk. It sounds awful, doesn't it? I'm thinking, come on, mate, get up. So I went over to him, gave him a five. I got him a coffee, although he asked for six sugars in it. So I virtually wanted to lecture him about sugar content. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And then I just sort of said, how are you? And he went, oh, thanks. It's nice of you to talk to me. So anyway, so I talked to him. So I told the lads about it. I said, right, just try and give yourself to someone. Just try and make an effort for someone. So then I do harp onto the lads all the time about, um, like, you've got to enjoy your life. You have to. So my lads never come in on a Sunday ever. So even if we play on a Tuesday, we don't come in on a Sunday ever. Uh, I want them to spend days with their family. I want them to enjoy their lives because I think if they're happier and uh, spend time with people they love, then... In fairness, it's not selfless. They they come in and they work harder. In the same way, they don't they're never in on a Wednesday because it's two for one at cinema, isn't it? So I need that little uh, <laughs> I love a film. I do love a film. So anyway, so I do harp on all the time, but I do say to him about you know, like especially regarding I've lost my father. It, it's, it's brutal. Even to this day, my first phone call is my dad after a game. Mm. Now I cannot take my dad's name off my phone. So it still comes up mum and dad when I phone my mum. And my mum, bless her heart, watches every game now on our live link. Fantastic. Uh, and she's taken the position of my father. In fairness, she's more knowledgeable than my dad. So I haven't <laughs> lost out in that respect. <laughs> but it still breaks me every time I phone her mm. because she, she knows what we're doing. We both know what she's doing. But my dad was like, you know, the big football fan, the proudest punch one. And, and that's why, you know, I harp onto the team all the time about making their families proud. So if we lose at home, I find that nearly unbearable because I'm saying, look, all your family and friends are come to watch you today. Mm. You know, like they're all so proud of you. But, you know, you, you're not just winning for yourself. You're winning mm. for your kids, your, your mum, your dad, yeah, yeah, yeah. your uncles, your grandparents, everyone who knew you growing up at school. Mm. So it's definitely, it, it has definitely affected me. And I don't feel... I think you always see your parents living forever and I think it makes you look at your own mortality a bit, which sounds a bit deep, I know, but it has made me try and enjoy my life more on a daily basis because, you know, you only have a one phone call or one blood test away from horrendous news. So, and I try and harp that onto the lads all the time. So in the three years, three and a half years being a manager, I've not had one argument with one of my players yet. Wow. Uh, I know. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I must have been lucky, but, <laughs> It never gets to that. It never gets to that. So as soon as I see him unhappy, I just pull them. I go for a walk around the football pitches and have a chat with them. And, and I address it before it gets to a state where they don't feel, I don't know, respected, loved, whatever. But so losing my father has, I mean, I was always a bit like that, but I think losing my father has made me even more so, uh, even more so about, you know, like, yeah, it sounds a bit cheesy, but seize the day and enjoy your life. and For sure, uh, yeah. It, it definitely has changed me. And, and there's also a part of me, obviously, that, you know... Um, Does I it make you to... want it more? Does it make you want success more, Paul? 
Yeah, possibly. It feels like, um, uh, in a weird way, keeping my dad's memory alive, really. I totally uh, get what you mean. Totally get what so, you mean. And I, I, when I had my dad's funeral, I spoke at the church, and my dad always said to me about, you don't judge a man by what he's got, you judge a man by uh, how many people turn up to his funeral. So luckily, yeah. there's over 500 people at my father's funeral, and I spoke at the funeral. And then after, when I went back, loads of people I've never met before came up to me and went, oh, you, do you know how proud your dad was? He always spoke about you. We always father rather than We always did. We always that. So it's not a pressure. It's, it's, like you just, it's not a pressure that I need to do well in my dad's memory. It's just like, you know, it's based on love, really. You just want to be the best version of yourself you can be. And that's what I, you know, try and say to lads all the time. I, lo- I love to hear that because I, I absolutely live by that philosophy myself. So it's good to hear. Let, let's lighten the tone now. I, there's, okay. a, there's, there's a rumoured superstition, yeah. that, and I'm not sure if it's true or not, so I might embarrass okay. myself here. Are you still brushing your teeth just before kickoff? Yeah, see, uh, my superstitions have gone beyond all levels of normality. What the hell is so, going on, Paul? Fill me I in. don't know. I don't know what's up with me. I'm, I'm pretty, I think I'm pretty strong, but then once I... Winning a football match is is like irreplaceable, isn't it? So if you believe you're winning it because you know you cleaned your teeth and your teeth look amazing, which mine don't, by the way, which is a bit disappointing. <laughs> but you, I can't get away from it. And then if I think if I don't clean my teeth, so for example, right? Um, oh, this is this is even more embarrassing. So last year, like last year, I had these these shoes, right? I had white rims around the bottom, and then yeah. every other manager sort of copied me because I'm like the trendsetter. You so, are quite stylish. I saw that game against yeah, Manchester City yeah, where you yeah, copied yeah, Pep. I yeah, that. I saw that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I know. I know we're joking here, but anyway. So, <laughs> so anyway, so I wore them. And then this year, I thought, right, well, I'm going to get myself some different ones. So I got these like black clobby ones from Zara. They look ledged, to be fair, only forty quid. The lads were buzzing off them, so they. So I know if they're some trendy, the lads go, "Wow, guys, I like shoes." Where'd you get them from? Then you have to tell them straight away, don't you? They're only 40 quid, Zara, right? Yeah. Four of them, never won. Didn't win, lost, lost, lost. Wow. Right, they're dead. Got rid, Got of, rid them. of them, bought another pair. Um, they were just as horrendous. I've never, wor- never won in them. So I went back to my old classics, right? Yeah. So now I have to wear them every game. I do clean my teeth before I go out. Yeah. I do clean my teeth at half time. I do have a lucky cup of Yorkshire tea in my hand at the start of each half. Yeah. And now... Now I've now got this thing about I, ha- I have a pair drop at the start of each half, but we keep winning. <laughs> so honestly, I, I don't know what the next. If I get anything else, I'm in all sorts of trouble. Yeah. Paul, I, you're joking I, me. I, a pear drop. A pear. I mean, I do love a pear drop, but I can't eat all of it because I feel guilty. The sugar content. So I suck it. The other day I threw it at my assistant manager <laughs> in a right hissy fit because something happened and I just you know take it out of your mouth and throw it and hit him on the leg. What are you doing? Oh like, my god. Uh, Mate, and you they're are unbelievable. They can bruise. They can bruise these. Pear you could drops, do some damage so. with those pear drops. Paul. I know. So that's the thing. I wake up on match day and I think, oh god, this is going to be a long. Here day. we go again. These, this many rituals to go through. It's a joke. So yeah. So I hate to admit it, but yeah, that no, is definitely uh, that is definitely true, mate. Paul, I'm going to put you on a bit of pressure here, but you're on okay. you're on the Talk Not Receive podcast. So I'm going to go for it. The big question, which yeah. the Norwich fans all want to know, is yeah. if the job was ever offered to you would you ever i mean i think it goes without saying but if stuart weber knocks on your door of course thing, things are managed well with rotherham and says yeah. paul we want you to have the norwich job where are you at cool. i know i'm not allowed to ask you that i actually got told i wasn't but i'm gonna ask you anyway did you in fairness, it's well known up here that rothers fans always think i'm gonna uh run off to a bigger job uh, but then they all think I'm quite loyal, which I am, uh, which is quite unique in football. But then they're mm. all accepted of the fact if it was Norwich, you can't stand in my way. 
Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a, uh, this sounds a bit of a cowardly answer, really. No, I don't doesn't. know if it would be too much for me because it would mean that much to me. I just, I just don't know if my little heart could take it. But in terms um, of the emotion that, you know, you live and breathe by, Paul, surely your yeah. emotion just goes through to a whole new level if you take the reins in Norwich one day. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't want to be a player under me if I took the reins in Norwich. I'd be having <laughs> all the time. Crying for every game with your pair what drops. About, what about if they didn't like, you know, they didn't keep their training kit clean? I mean, like, one of the things I did when I first went in charge was, like, all the lads had to turn their kit the right way round, always with the badge at the top, show a bit of respect to the club badge. If it was the Canary with the, the castle, I'd be, oh, I'd be in all sorts of trouble. I'd be ironing the kit for them. <laughs> so I think... I think, I think what, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with the kit man role. I know my purpose in life. There's, there's no pressure in that. I, I, it would be an unbelievable honor, but Norwich are doing so well at the moment, by the way. I know the, I know the results and the league position and it's a bit like, but considering how far they've come, mm. considering they didn't really spend any money, which is a bit like us when we went to the champ. Like they haven't broke, you know, they haven't changed their wage structure, got a good dressing room, could have had a few more points. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it doesn't look great, does it? That, that, that is true. But um, the way they play under Daniel is a joke. I think it's amazing. I think it's the best city. Uh, like it's been a joy watching Norwich, even when they lose. Like the game against Tottenham, they were excellent. So yeah. um, I can't, I hope that they don't change him and I can't see why on earth they would, but... Um, for sure I mean yeah. it was just a hypothetical question Paul so oh no no day, yeah I know I'm happy to answer it like one day <laughs> yeah exactly 10 years time when they've been relegated six times i love i paul i love how humble you are and i i could talk to you all day but that is all we've got time for in this episode so i would honestly just like to say a huge thank you i really appreciate it Okay, no worries. And of course, to every single Norwich fan that, that's listening around the world, if you've enjoyed this one, don't forget to give us a five-star review on iTunes. Don't you dare give us a four-star. And make sure you're following at Talk Norwich City on social media for the best city content on the internet. Finally, there's only one thing left to say, Paul Warren. What was that? Yes. I've got my Norwich shirt on. On the ball, city! Hey, good man, Paul. On the ball, city. <laughs>